0: we get to start a new sermon series. So I think it was, oh, I don't know, a little while ago, I was talking to my buddy Josh, and I said, you know, I think I want to do 2 Peter. And then he asked me why, and I said, I have no idea why I want to do 2 Peter. Uh, and so at that time, I just tabled it because I didn't really have a good reason. Um, and then uh, it kind of resurfaced to me, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's probably been about a year, um, that, that I first thought about it, and, and now I, we're going to dive into it. And so 2 Peter, and you'll, you'll get it, man, uh, it takes me most of the sermon today to get through verse 1, so we might be on 2 Peter, um, you know, two years from now. No, I think I've, I'm going to cap it at like, at the, mi- the maximum is like six weeks, but we're going to be on 2 Peter. And so uh, I want to ask you a question. So how many of you have been in a schoolyard fight? Got in a fight in a schoolyard. Oh, wow, a lot of you. Cool. Uh, I myself have never been in a schoolyard fight. Uh, um, but when I was in high school, there were kids you didn't mess with. And you know these kids. Uh, I think, I'm just going to use the real names. Nick Desard was one of them. And you would not mess around with Nick Desard in high school. He was a scrawny kid, but he never lost a fight. Uh, Donnie Ball. Donnie Ball was, I mean, he was a bruiser. He set records as a running back. The Cavasso brothers, Fred and Alex Cavassos. Man, you would not mess with them either. Or, 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 or the O'Malley brothers. The O'Malley brothers, they were boxers when I was in high school. You wouldn't mess with them either. Uh, those are the, the guys that you, like, wanted to be their friends. Like, you did not want to be on their bad side. Uh, but I myself have never been in a fight and so you might think, to yourself, really? Like, with your mouth and your, like, sassiness, you've never been in fight. Yeah, I've never, uh, with my sense of humor, I've never gotten to the point, you think I would have upset somebody to the point other than Heather uh, that wanted to take me down, right? Uh, the closest thing I got into a, uh, a fight with was a kid named Mason Buckles in fourth grade. Uh, he had, you know, upset me, and we were playing flyers up, and I think I might have told this story before, but somebody threw the ball up, and we were standing there, and he was looking to catch it, and I just turned around and swung at him, Uh, like totally, you know, chicken shot, Uh, didn't, I mean, he didn't even know it was coming, and then second recess, he got Devin, who was a sixth grader, to throw a dodgeball at me, and that was like, that was big, Uh, but that's the closest I've ever been into uh, a fight, but um, what's at the core of schoolyard battles? What's at the core of 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 this kind of thing, other than oftentimes a pretty girl, but uh, it starts with like a status issue, like building up your status, building up your your you, you know being known, saving face, bringing awareness to your your power and ability, right? To your own name, uh, and then obviously survival, in <laughs> victory ultimately, right? Travis victory, right? There we go, victory. Ah, anyways. But uh, do you ever feel like yourself? Do you ever feel like you have to, have you ever been in a spot even recently that you feel like you have to fight for yourself? I gotta gotta fight for myself. Like your own standing. Maybe you have to fight to be be heard or to be understood. And then it progressed for me. What about, have you recently ever fought like you or felt like you had to fight for God? You had to fight for God. God and his purpose and and what he's doing in your life and I thought about the state of which our recent history has come into play uh, where sure our faith as Christians as followers of Jesus has been challenged um, where yes crazy stuff is happening like all around our country and some of the crazy stuff is actually being done in the name of Christianity and Jesus and right or wrong whatever and I found myself asking the question, which fight do I want to get into? What fight do I want to fight? Where do I stand? Where, where do I put my resources? Like, I've only got so much bandwidth, so where am I going to place in on what is of importance? How do I decide to do that? How do I decide what to do? And church, you might like me struggle with the idea that you know what's been going on in our country and what's been going on all around us is is unique and for sure uh isn't uh there's nothing in the bible that would lead you to understand or deal with all the things that we're dealing with as believers today and that brings me to second peter Second peer, Peter is, is this series that we're starting, and this was a letter, you know, we don't really know what the destination of this letter was. Uh, it was probably for mass communication. That's what a lot of the epistles were for, of uh, the letters that were written. They would go out to the house churches and then to another house church and then to another area, and it'd be read at all of the churches in that area, and that's probably what it was here. Uh, oftentimes, that's what the epistles were used for. Uh, and Peter is 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 predominantly thought to be uh, the author of this. There is some people that question that, but he references being at uh, the Transfiguration and things like that. But, um, but he writes this while he was in jail, and it's the last of his two letters, First and Second Peter. Um, and this letter comes at a time where there was political upheaval all around. Right, And I know wherever you land, whether you ran right or left, or donkey or elephant, or red or blue, whatever it may be, I mean, that serves of no relevance to us, political upheaval, right? Today, we don't have to worry about relevance of that. It also comes at a time in the mid-60s uh, A.D. in Rome where literally protesters were burning down cities. You know, uh, that, I found that out two clicks on Wikipedia, and I'm glad that we ourselves haven't had to deal with that Uh, Any cities being on fire or anything like that and so that isn't relevant relevant to us either right and dealing with that Okay, maybe it isn't um We forget the past quickly. No Uh, But peter writes this letter in jail and he and he addresses this What he's talking about in this letter is at a time that is similar to what we're dealing with even uh, today Now, what you have to know about Peter, and I keep bringing this up over and over. Uh, I did it with David a couple weeks ago, and uh, Peter, uh, but Peter, or Simon, Simeon, the name for Simon, was very much a leader of the church at this time. Like, very much actually the front-runner leader of the early church uh, coming to be. And that was despite his past. I said that about David, despite his past, despite, despite what was going on. And at one point, Jesus told him, Simon, you're going to be known as Petra, which is the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And so uh, Jesus speaks into Peter's life. And so we look at Second Peter. And so uh, in your Bible, it's New Testament. There's uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's some other letters in there, Romans, and then just a little bit further past Titus. In, in some of those other books, there's Peter. So it's towards the end of the epistles. And Peter 1.1 1, 1 says this, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And when I talked about David, the same thing is true with Peter. Peter's past didn't disqualify him from being a leader, being actually the leader of the early church. And if you remember... Uh, there's a lot of instances, and I joke about it often because I think I relate to Peter quite a bit. There's a lot of instances in the Bible where Peter himself um, messes things up a little bit or gets it wrong or speaks out of turn or is is loud and uh, and, 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 and speaks into things that just are like, really, Peter, you're going to say that right now at this moment? And if you remember, Peter was actually on the boat. There's a storm, and they see Jesus out or they think it's Jesus out on the water, and he says, Hey, Lord, if that's you, invite me out onto the water. In this middle of the storm, Peter says, Hey, I want to come and walk on the water. And Jesus invites him out on the storm, and Jesus invites him to come out with him, and, and this is how that ends. Matthew 14, 31. So Peter steps out onto the water and then gets a couple steps. I think he got like three steps in. And then he starts sinking, and Jesus says these words. Immediately, Jesus reached out to his hand and caught him and says, You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt me? So in that moment, Jesus says to Peter, You're a little faith guy. Like, you know, trust me, trust me. Uh, If you remember, Peter also was the guy the, towards the end of Jesus' life here on earth, he promises Jesus, Jesus, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. I will, I will, I will always be with you. And before the end of the night, you remember that, G, that Peter denies Jesus three times. Just before that, earlier that night, when Judas, if you, I mean, if you've been around at all, you know the story of Judas, Judas, uh, uh, and we'll get to Judas here in a second But Judas was the one that revealed Jesus To the uh, Roman authorities For him to be arrested um, And Jesus had told the disciples More than once That this is what's going to happen We're going to go to Jerusalem I'm going to get arrested I'm going to be crucified I'm going to die I'll be put in a tomb And three days later I'm going I'm to rise again And he said this uh, How many of you have kids And have always just told your kids To do something one time and that's it And they do it like nobody raised their hand. So, I mean, Peter's that guy, right? And same thing with me. Like, I often have to be told more than once. Anyways, um, he told them, He said, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. And Peter, in that moment, is like, Not if I have anything to say about it. Like, Jesus, son of God, says this, what's going to happen. And Peter takes out a sword, if you remember the story, slices off the guy's ear. Jesus picks it up, heals the guy real quick. Um, of Peter acting on his own accord. And then if you remember, there's a conversation, that conversation where Peter, where Jesus actually names Peter the Rock, Jesus is asking the disciples, what are they saying about me? Like Jesus' ministry had kind of just gotten started and just gotten going, and, and he says, what are people say, who are people saying I am? And they answer, and then, and then Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter as I like to call it, just nails it with the Sunday school answer, right? He says, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And and Jesus actually says, man, that is actually right on. Like Sunday school, you win, felt board, A plus. um, And then Jesus goes on to explain that gospel. In the same moment, he goes on to explain that gospel and what the rock really is. And Peter has then continued to be motivated by glory despite all that he had done. Jesus said from that time, he began to show his disciples Jerusalem and how he would suffer and, uh, and the scribes. And, 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 and in this moment where, Peter, where Jesus renames Peter, Peter gets it right. You're the son of the living God. Petra, Peter, you're the rock. And Jesus tells him this is what's gonna happen then. This is the gospel. The gospel is that I'm gonna die for you. That you'll be able to, pl- that people will place their hope in me, the Savior, and in that moment, Peter pulls Jesus aside and again says, "No, that isn't the way this is going to go down. Not on my watch." And the Bible says that Peter actually rebuked Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord, that you would go through this. This ain't going to happen. Have you ever wondered, like? Didn't I think ain't made it into the dictionary like when I was in high school But I wonder if like the disciples used the word ain't and just All right, never mind <laughs> That's how my brain works. I think about like how much of it is real is happening. was happening I mean, they were having real conversations, right? And so, uh, this ain't how it gonna ha- how it's gonna happen It's not in scripture. Peter doesn't say ain't is ain't ain't a word, right? Um Anyway, sorry <laughs> i'm trying here all right no uh, but he turned and said to peter peter says peter rebukes jesus says this is not how it's going down and if you remember in that moment what does jesus do jesus looks at peter and says get behind me satan all right get behind me Satan! you are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of god but the things of man And I tell you what, if you have a teenager, if you have a child at all, if you are a parent, if you have a best friend, if you are driving down the freeway on the highway and something happens, or you're in line at the grocery store with a grumpy Karen at one point, harsh words have been spoken to you, right? And maybe because of those harsh words, you feel bad. Like, you have gotta deal with maybe something somebody said to you in your life, but can you imagine the wrestling, and quite frankly, the counseling you would have to go through If Jesus himself called you Satan, like you would have to deal with a lot for that. And that is Peter. But after everything Peter did, and there are more stories that we'll get into, after everything Peter did, he still wasn't afraid. He put, he continued to give God the glory. And at the beginning of this letter, he says, he starts at Simon Peter. Simon Peter. So Simon was his name before Jesus spoke Peter into his life, but he uses both of his names still. And I I heard this taught this way, and it blew my mind because Peter still was all right with the Simon that he had in him. Jesus had claimed Peter the rock, But he knew that Simon was still there And he addressed that idea of still dealing with His Simon Now you have to know this though Because Peter went on to do amazing things Went on to uh, And we'll get into this in a bit He went on to do amazing things for God Recognized he's a disciple He did amazing things Because Peter didn't let his past Define him Your past does not define you. Your past does not define you. Peter, David, Matthew, the tax collector at that time, right? Saul to Paul, Nicodemus. I mean, the Bible is full of characters that messed up. And I'm glad I'm part of the family of God where I've done my fair share of mess ups. But we have the opportunity through Christ to not let that define us and for Christ to lead us into his glory, and the things that he has for us. So how did Peter do it? How did Peter do that? How might we do that in our lives? Right? I mean, I'm, I mean, he's hugely instrumental in building the early church. and the lead, I mean, they built St. Peter's uh, Basilica in Vatican City after Peter's life and what he did. And despite all that, Peter was known for the glory of God, for the glory of the Lord. He lived his life motivated by glory, motivated by God's glory to shine through. How did he do that? And my hope is, wrapped up in the lessons that we'll learn in the second Peter We'll go through this whole book, and we'll, and we'll learn about what is it like to be motivated by God's glory in our life in, in, in different practical ways to do it, and then in, in different ways we can apply it, actually, to our lives, specifically. 2 Peter, verse 1, again. <laughs> Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God, and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Right? Don't let your past define you. But in this, Peter also calls himself an apostle and a servant. But he actually calls himself a servant and then an apostle. I think oftentimes... Uh, Maybe it's more of a struggle in my position Or I think it's maybe a struggle for all of us as Christians We view uh, having made the decision Having come to church Having been a part of this Jesus thing That I put myself on on a, a higher level Than those that are around me But I think it's unique in that Peter Actually thinks the opposite of that He says servant first, apostle second I've actually been a part of churches that had that had uh, lists of names and pictures present in the sanctuary of the apostles of that church. And I'm not saying apostles—apostles, great. Leadership appointed by God, like, it's a good thing, but it can't be the thing. Jesus led out of servanthood far before he led out of, I am the king, the savior of the world. Like, he was a servant—he displayed servanthood first— And Peter lists it that way, servant, an apostle. The way of Christ is a servant to all, and we talked about about it this week at Men's Group. As men, and you can apply this to just as Christians in our lives, if we're not putting our wives first in our lives, we're talking about Ephesians 5, and how women are supposed to submit to their husbands, right? That verse does not mean what you think it—that was a— prince's bride quote, quote right uh thanks for the laugh Ben. we've showed prince's bride a couple weeks ago so it just is in there um but if we don't put our lives first in our lives we're doing it wrong we don't put others needs first in our lives we're doing it wrong like it is christ christ's desire for us to have servanthood Right, to be servants to those that are around us, to give of ourselves for the glory of God, but to all. Right? Which is s- uh, this, this uh, sacrificially generous lifestyle. And you've heard me talk about generosity before. This generous lifestyle to all of God's creation. And that, and that looks different to each one of us, because we all have been blessed with, by God in different ways in our lives. So it's generous with what God's given us, but not in only little avenues. Like, it's in everything. And that's based on this display of God's glory, of his glory being displayed in our lives. And Peter does this. He lives this lifestyle in a way that allows him to see things differently, different than than we see it, right? Again, verse 1. It's going to take a while. To those who have obtained faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. To those who have obtained faith. Did you hear that? Obtaining faith. I think oftentimes we treat our faith as something that once we get it, we have to work really hard to keep it. Like we have to work really hard to, to keep it in our lives. When really our faith, our salvation uh, is not an earned thing. It is something that that is given to us. Peter is glad he didn't have to earn it. I'm surely glad it's not based on my merits and my ability to just knock it out of the park in my life. Right? It's a gift. It's actually a free gift. And that gift is Christ's death. That's the cost. Nothing from us, but Christ gave it for us. And his burial and his resurrection is... That's what he invites us into. That faith and trust in him defeating death. But that through that, those who have obtained faith of equal standing to ours... And and this is what floors me because this is... I get this wrong far too often and Peter states it here. Those who have obtained faith of equal standing to ours. Obtaining, putting our faith, putting our trust, uh, our righteousness... We're on equal standing to Peter, like the rock, not Dwayne, but Simon, right? The rock. We are on equal standing to who Jesus said, you are the rock. Like, we're equal. Peter, Paul, James, John, like equal standing those of us that have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, God looks at us as equal to those people, the people that we read about and and learn about. Like, we're, in God's eyes, equal to them. And I I know I just got done telling you all the stuff where Peter messed up, but Peter hung out with Jesus. Like, he walked with him physically, physically. Right, he was he he was part of the hundred, and he was part of the forty, and he was part of the twelve. But not only that, he was part of like the three. I think it was, because Jesus knew that if he left him, there'd be more of a mess to clean up. Kind of like me in my life. But uh, he, maybe that's why I'm. Jesus, no. If I just went mainstream, man, he'd have a big mess to clean up. So he's like, I'm going to put you on the state. No. Uh, anyways, uh, but Peter was part of that inner circle three, and God believes you and I when we place our faith and trust in Him. We're on equal standing to that inner circle of Jesus in relationship and in dwelling and, in, and, in, in being with Jesus keeps us close and through God's eyes, we are equal. I mean, Peter preached at Pentecost, right? Peter preached at Pentecost and it says this, in scripture it says his voice was lifted up and those who are far off and, I love this analogy. Those that were far off. We've got to be as a church reaching for those that are far off. Those who were far off, heard, and understood. And it said that day 3,000 people came to faith. Insert rock, build church, right? That is what happened in the early church. 3,000 came from that first... Peter I mean, was allowed? Like, I mean, from that first use of Peter's gifting of being like vocal God used that for his glory to bring 3,000 to faith and Peter did it for God's glory God worked in that he did it all for God's glory Peter was motivated by glory and so I ask you how do we do it how do we do it because here's the deal equal ground with Peter it's kind of hard to grasp that I'd be on equal ground with Petra, right? Let alone to think that I or you or we wouldn't struggle the same way Peter did, to think I'm above the idea of the struggle that has actually written all throughout Scripture, that I wouldn't lose the schoolyard battle to God's glory versus my glory, which I lose far too or I win. I actually win if I use my glory, right? Or no, I lose. I don't know. It depends. Half full, half empty. I don't know. Uh, that i would lose the battle of god's glory for the glory of comfort or that i would lose the battle for of god's glory to the hardship in my life has derailed me from following jesus or trusting in him or uh you know covid loss loss of job loss of finances loss of whatever that derails me and and makes it harder to place my faith political upheaval struggle with friendships Right? Obtaining status, getting sidetracked and distracted from what God has for me. A lack of personal confidence in myself, which then allows me to then just portray that into who Jesus calls me to be. Life situations, what is it for you? What causes you to abandon God's glory in your life? What is it? I challenge you to think about that, to look at your life. To look at the areas of your life that causes, causes you to abandon reaching for his glory and just allowing your glory or your your desires to win the day. Give him glory in all things. Here's the deal. You think about it. Judas, Judas walked with Jesus. Judas was part of the 12. And what did Judas do? Judas gave Jesus up. Peter, the rock on which he'll build the church. Fell victim to this Said, well, and he actually rebuked Jesus, denied it three times. If you remember, at the end of that, the end of Jesus' life, he's suffering. And Peter's warming himself by the fire. And a teenage girl, you have a teenage girl, you know the power that they yield. Man, I I get it, Peter, I get it. The teenage girl challenges Peter and says, hey, weren't you with that guy? Peter says, nope. No, no, no! You were with that guy, right? Again, the power of a teenage girl. No, I wasn't. And then another guy comes up and says, "Oh, I seen you with that guy." And what does Peter say? I don't even know the man. Where does that happen for you in your life? Where, when challenged, when faced with adversity? When things just didn't go quite as you thought they would? Trouble comes up or hardship. Where we abandon. We say, ah, this is something I got to deal with. I don't even know this Jesus. Peter fell victim to it. I'll tell you what. I mean, I know I'm, I'm nowhere near Peter's status. I didn't physically walk with Jesus. I didn't have the liberty of allowing Jesus to get me three steps on water, right? I want to work on that. I've tried it before. It doesn't work. But surely it would be a miss if we thought we wouldn't struggle in the same way that Peter and most all of the disciples did at that time. Verse 3. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence right there in verse three god gives us all the power to deal with all of the things that might derail us in our lives but if you read that again it isn't like Man, I've got. I need the power. I need the. I need. I need God right now. Need, but it's 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 actually because I need Him. Like I want to get through this. My 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 status. My my person is called into. Uh, you know, question. Uh, no, it says for His own glory. And I think that that's where we mess it up because oftentimes, even what we ask God for is for ourselves and what we desire in our lives and, and, and we miss the mark of, man, God will step in. He actually says here, Scripture, power is granted to us all things that pertain to life in godliness through the knowledge of him and who's called us to his own glory, to the glory of God. We have access to it all to the same extent Peter did when he walked with Jesus, to the same extent Anybody who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus, we all have access to this—a life of godliness, not a life of Jasonness. Or insert yourself in there, or insert your own, you know, situation in there. And for Peter and for us, it's a—it's a proximity piece. It's an issue that we have to have, where we've placed our faith and trust. We place Jesus in. Uh, Close proximity in our lives keeping him close in all things that the motivation is God's that the motivation of God's glory is actually the most freeing thing in our lives and we'll get into this we'll get into this into this series but it actually frees us to not react how many of you have a problem of reacting before you think just me yeah, I mean, we'll get, we'll get into the weeks coming. Like, God's glory eliminates our, 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 our desire to be like, let something totally take control of our lives. To, uh, to, uh, for us to react to something in a way we shouldn't, because it's, that's not God's glory. That's actually my flesh. We'll all work towards the faith and hope that we have in Jesus. It's a proximity piece where we allow the desires of ourself to be replaced by the desire of God's glory to win in all things. And listen to this, because it's a proximity promise. Verse 4, through these, uh, he has given us his very great and precious promises. And we'll get into that. We'll get into, I mean, one week, we'll spend a whole week on the promises of God. And actually, when we, when we have those promises in our heart and we allow him to work, like those are the things we call upon, not our own emotions and, and, and selfishness. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, evil desires is just, actually, if you just boil it down to the, 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 the plainest point, evil desires are anything that aren't God's desires really, where we, where we place instead of God's desire for whatever it may be, work, play, fun, uh, finances, uh, everyday life, raising our children, like there's God's desires, and then there's my desires. My desires, evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self, self-control, self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness Mutual affection, into mutual affection, love, which ultimately that wins the day, right? Love God, love ourselves, love others. Ryan, Pastor Ryan, talked about that a few weeks ago from the church he came and visited. So, For if you possess these qualities in increasing, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, unproductive, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It replaces our selfish glory. Right? But whoever does not have these things is nearsighted and blind and forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. It's understanding the promises of God and keeping them in close proximity, keeping ourselves in close proximity of Christ. That we escape escape our own desires to be replaced because God doesn't call us to just replace sin with sin. Like, merely replacing sin is not dealing with sin, is not offering it to Christ. And oftentimes when we just el- try to work really hard to eliminate something in our lives that shouldn't be there, we just replace it with something else that shouldn't be there. But when we eliminate something as far as like giving it to God, then we replace that with God's glory. It becomes a story that we tell of God's glory. It's actually poetic. Man, I should write a poem. Anyways, I'm not a poem writer. Um, but when we replace it with those things, with knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and ultimately love, that is replacing it with the glory that God desires for us in our lives. That our desires would be replaced with his glory in our life and church that's my hope for this series at the heart of this series at the heart of this series we want this idea of motivated by glory to be to be the no 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 yes 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 we want the idea to be in the hard times in your life what motivated what motivates you god's glory In in the parts of your life you're just knocking it out of the park like you're nailing it like you're getting your quiet times in you're praying a bunch like you're you're just nailing it right what motivates you in those times I'm doing pretty good I'm just gonna take a take a day off right no God's glory motivated by glory what about in your questioning and your doubting and your seeking to understand and your to uh, your 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 anxiety motivated by God's glory Right? That's what motivates us in our lives. There's a reason why we normally have those doors closed. That is the joy of God, though. That is our Sunday school class playing in the name of Jesus for God's glory outside so the pool people can hear that church is happening. It's all a big part. We've got it all planned out, right? Motivated by glory, God's glory in our lives. Right? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, Van can come forward. Lord, we thank you so much so, so much that you have included us, that you desire us to be a part of your story and your glory, Lord. Lord, you know how much I battle this. and So I thank you, and I thank you on behalf of my friends that that it is your desire to be close to us in these moments where we where we get it wrong and where we're struggling and where we've abandoned who you are in our lives where we maybe even in our lives have physically taken a stance of we don't even act like we know you Lord it is in those moments that you sit and you desire Lord you desire to be in relationship with us that you desire to be in in closeness with us that you desire for us to then give it to you and so this morning, as we close out this service, may, uh, may the desires of our hearts and minds be that much closer to you. And may the words that we sing be a display of our glory to you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this journey through Second Peter. I pray in the coming weeks, Lord, that you use it To direct our paths, to bring truth into our lives and into our hearts. Pray this in your name. Amen.